beautiful song and beautifully done. In a world in need of S-O-N, shine, sunshine, Jesus said to his followers, be of good cheer. Proverbs 17, 22 declares that a merry or a cheerful heart doeth good like a medicine. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 reminds us that God loves a cheerful giver. I read about a man who said, I was dozing in church and then I heard, stand up. I stood up and the people clapped. The pastor said, who else will give $5,000? Another man said, I never believed in my chiropractor, but now I stand corrected. Another wrote in the ad section of the paper, I'm getting two tickets for the Masters Golf Tournament for Christmas. The person that got them for me didn't realize it was going to be on the same day as my wedding. If you're interested, I'm looking for someone to take my place. It is at St. Michael's Church in Orlando at 3 p.m. The bride's name is Noel. She'll be the one in the white dress. Let's spread some Christmas cheer, right? A merry heart. I'll tell you what we need is some good, hearty laughter. Some rejoicing in the Lord. This is a heavy world in which we live. Uh, There are burdens that are oftentimes hard to bear. Surely when we come to the house of the Lord, we can have our load lightened, lifted, and we can rejoice in the God of our salvation. Let's stand this morning and turn together as we look in the scriptures beginning with the book of Luke this morning, Luke chapter 2. Find your place here. We're coming back to this. We're going to walk through the scriptures here in just a moment as we give glory to God for who He is and what He's done. Let's read this aloud, Luke chapter 2 and verse 14. Everyone together. Glory to God in the highest... And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Let's read it again. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Thank you. You may be seated. Glory to God in the highest. The true and living God of heaven deserves our praise, our worship, our trust, our obedience. I want to serve the Lord with all of my heart. I want to glory in Him, rejoice in who He is and what He's done in my life. Turn with me over to the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. Let's look here together, Genesis chapter 3. I want you to write this down this morning, if you will. Give glory to God, number one, because of His promise. In this Christmas season, we give God glory and rejoice in the gift of His Son, the gift of forgiveness of sin. And we are reminded that this was the promise of God when Adam and Eve fell in the garden. And God gave a promise to them and through them to us. That God, the Bible says in verse 15 of Genesis chapter 3, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed and it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. This is the proto-evangelium, the first gospel, 
the giving of the promise of God that a Messiah, a Savior, would come to redeem fallen man. Aren't you glad for this promise of God? A promise that in the Lord's time, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, hallelujah. This is the promise that God reminds us of way over in the book of Isaiah. Turn with me there. Isaiah chapter number 7. I want you to find this. Some 700 years before Christ was born, here's another promise of God. A promise that God would send His Son and that God would provide forgiveness for our sin. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. Therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call His name Emmanuel. 700 years before Christ was born, this was the promise of God. Amazing, is it not? Now you need to know where these verses are in your Bible so you can share them with others, but especially with your children and grandchildren. This is the promise of God. This is why we rejoice in the coming of the Christ of Christmas, the very reason for this season. Look in chapter 9, in verse 6. For unto us a child is born... This speaks of His humanity. And unto us a Son is given His deity, the Son of God. And the government shall be upon His shoulder, and His name shall be called what? Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Isn't that wonderful? The Prince of Peace. The promise of God. This is who our Savior is. Turn with me and find your place over in the book of Micah. Micah chapter 5. One of the minor prophets. Micah chapter 5. This is powerful here. The promise we find in verse 2. Micah chapter 5 in verse 2. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephratah, Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. Isn't that wonderful? The promise of God. Pastor Joe Shakur wrote it in these words, an explanation of this book and passage. In 722 B.C., Micah prophesied where Jesus would be born and what He would come to do. He would be our peace. Bethlehem may have been little in size, but not in significance. It's where Rachel died and where Benjamin was renamed from Saulra to son of my right hand. Jesus went from Saulra to the right hand. It's where Ruth was redeemed. Jesus redeemed us. It's where David was born an anointed king. Jesus was born an anointed king. It's where David longed for a drink from the well. We have the living water and we will never thirst again because Christ is our well of life. 
It's where Jeremiah prophesied slaughter, where the worst of mankind was displayed. The best of all was born. It was small but chosen for service. God chose us and ordained us to bring forth much fruit. Bethlehem Ephratah means the fruitful house of bread. Jesus was born in the fruitful house of bread to give us the bread of life and bring forth fruit from now to eternity. And God's people said, Amen. We give glory to God today because of His promise. Oh, what a Savior. God keeps His word. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the very promise of our God. Number two, I want you to turn with me over to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 1. We give God the glory not only for His promise, but for His presence. Make a note of that, for His presence. Matthew chapter 1, we read in verse 23. I want you to have these verses. I want you to see it in the Word of God. This is why we travel through the Bible, so you could get a working knowledge of the Bible, the Word of God. Like the Bereans, they studied the Word of God. They had a working knowledge. They, they would know where to find it. They would know where even or how to look for it. They would know how to search the Scriptures. That's, that was what they were known for. They would search the Scriptures to see if these things were so. Is this what saith the Lord? Well, the Lord says, Matthew 1, verse 23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Isn't that wonderful? I want to praise God today because God came to us in the form of of man and dwelt among us. His presence not only in his coming, but his presence in his redemption. Jesus said, I'm going to go away, but I won't leave you alone. I won't leave you without a comforter. I'll send you another comforter. He'll lead you into all truth, and he will be with you and in you. And everywhere you go, I go with you in the person of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that wonderful? His presence in our lives. Look over in John chapter 1. John chapter 1. I love reading the Bible. I love walking through the Scriptures. John chapter 1. I want you to teach this to your children this Christmas season. Walk them through the Bible. Talk about the promise of God and how Christ was prophesied, and then the very presence of God, what this means to us, God with us. John chapter 1 and verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Bible is the written Word of God. Jesus Christ is the living Word of God. Now get this, verse number 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Think about it, the very presence of God, Emmanuel, God 
Can you imagine the very God of heaven with me, in me, in the person of the Holy Spirit? No matter where we go, I was praying last night. As I was just talking to the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm glad you're with me no matter where I am. No matter what I'm facing, I can talk to you. I can have peace in my heart that your presence is ever with me. You're not leaving me. You're not going anywhere. I don't have to try to be something that I'm not. I don't have to earn your presence in my life. When you came into my heart by faith in Jesus Christ, you said, now I'm never going anywhere. I'm not ever, never, no never, no never ever is the thought of that expression, that phrase there in Hebrews 13. I will never, no never, no never ever leave you or forsake you. Others may walk out of your life. If they do, that's when Christ steps up. He's already in you. He's already with you. He steps up to remind you that I'm here, that I'm not going anywhere. You can count on me and rejoice in my presence. Oh, the very presence of our God. 1 Timothy 3.16 says, God was manifest in the flesh. Can you imagine that? God took on the form of human flesh. That's who Jesus Christ is. That's what Philippians chapter 2 teaches us. That it's God. Jesus Christ is not just a prophet of God. He's not just a little g God. He is God, very God. God manifest in the flesh the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God manifest in three persons. Jesus said, or the Bible says about Jesus in verse 14 here in John chapter 1, that He is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Isn't that amazing? We, we rejoice in the goodness of God. He's full of grace and truth. Oh, I think about who Christ is. And what this Christmas is all about, I have the Lord with me. Some of you may not have family with you during this season, but you have your Savior with you. And He's not going anywhere. He will never leave you. You will never go through this life ever alone with Christ. Everywhere you go, He goes with you. He goes before you. He comes after you. The Bible says He's our rear reward. <laughs> the thought there is he, he follows us. He leads us. He's in us. He surrounds us. And then He's got our back. <laughs> Think about that. We are surrounded by our Savior with the fullness of His promise and His presence. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, hallelujah. Look with me back in our text now. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, the Bible says, And it came to pass, verse 1, that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Now this time there were 27 provinces of the Roman Empire. And this taxing, 
was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. This was a census that would be taken every 14 years. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. Now, what I want you to see here is this thought number three. We give God the glory not only for His promise, not only for His presence, but number three, for His providence. How God guides us. God has a timing. God has a direction for our lives. It won't always be easy necessarily. That's the point. I thought as a younger Christian and as a younger pastor that if I was in God's will and I followed Him with my whole heart, then, then everything would come together and, and everything would at a certain point be so easy because I have the blessing of God, right? And then the more I read the Bible, the more I realized in Job's case and Joseph's case and Jeremiah's case, sometimes God does allow bad and uses bad to bring good, but to bring about His purposes in the lives of His children. Even Ezekiel was to be made an example before the people. Hosea, think about that. The sorrows that they would have to bear in the very will of God for their lives. When you are doing God's will for your life, it doesn't mean it's all going to come together. It doesn't mean that it's always going to be easy. Sometimes it's going to be taxing. Uh, sometimes it's going to be difficult. Sometimes it's going to take its toll on you. Uh, one preacher said it this way, All the difficulties and setbacks that Joseph, Joseph and Mary encountered reminds us that we can have everything go wrong and still be in the center of God's will. Think of that. Everything can go wrong and you're still in the center of God's will. See, instinctively, when things go wrong, we think, well, well what's wrong with me? What's wrong with my situation? Where's God? Maybe even what's wrong with Him? God is who He is and where He's always been. And He said, you have the promise of my presence and I'm not going anywhere. No matter what you face, no matter how you struggle, no matter how you stumble, no matter how the circumstances would say otherwise, that's why you don't lean to your own understanding and say, well, hey, uh, the way I see it, the way I perceive it here, I mean, this is obviously the case and this is obviously then what I must do. Be careful. That's why we seek God through the wisdom of His Word and say, God, guide me and show me what you want. That's how we learn to pray and seek the face of God because we become more and more dependent upon the Lord and saying, God, I need you to guide me. Help me to trust in your sovereignty that you're in control of all things, but also your providence that you're working all things together for my good and your glory right here, right now. Sometimes instead of coming together, it seems to be coming apart, but yet I'm right in the center of your will. Teach me that and help me to not only embrace that, but to rest in that. Now get it as this unfolds. Verse 4, And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, a descendant. This is a journey of 65 miles. It's a long journey where you don't have a car or a bus or a train, right? Think of this. 
wasn't easy. God was moving, but God was putting things in place. I think of how God was going to forge a nation. To do so, he called for a famine in Egypt, raised up Joseph to actually go down there and be the one to make Egypt the breadbasket for all the world. But to get Joseph there, he had to give him a dream that he would tell to his dad and his brothers that would make them so jealous that they would sell him into slavery. And then God through that transaction would get Joseph down to Egypt. And there in Egypt is where God would forge in the fiery trials and furnace of affliction a people for his name. Amazing how God did that. And that's how God works in your life and mine. We need to understand this, that so many times God is at work and we can trust Him. But sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes it doesn't compute. His ways are not our ways. His ways are much higher than our ways. That's why we can trust Him and that's why we must trust the Lord. He knows what he's doing. Don't trust your circumstances. Well, if God loves me and everything's going to work out, then everything's going to come together and I'm going to know God's with me. No, by faith, you've got to look to God and his word and say, well, he said he's with me, so I know he's with me. Whatever happens out here, if it all comes together or if it all comes apart, that's okay because I have the God of heaven who is ever present in my life as his child. Always working, always working on my behalf. Oh, think of this. It says in verse 5, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. Just stop and consider that statement. Our dear mothers here today understand All the impact of that, this long journey. Oh, how inconvenient, how difficult, great with child. How many times did we walk into the church through the years and people would look at Rebecca, you hadn't gone yet? How many ladies have ever heard that? You still here? Oh, I'll tell you. That baby's about ready to be born. It's like, I'm ready for this baby to be born, all right? You mothers understand that. And you can appreciate where she was. That God was at work. God was guiding her. God was guiding Joseph. Do you see what I'm saying? May God teach us and give us understanding today. Even when it is hard, even when it hurts, he's still God. And he's still in control. And he's still at work in your life and mine. His ways are higher than our ways. It comes down to whether or not we will simply trust and obey. Taking God at his word. That's what faith is. I may not feel it. I may not sense it. I may not see it. In fact, my circumstances may say exactly opposite of what God is saying right now. That's why God says don't trust your circumstances. Don't lean to your own understanding. Learn how to pray and get the mind of God through His Word. This is the mind of God. And say, Lord, help me to trust you. And help me to follow you fully. The Bible says in verse 6, And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. 
The days will come and go in the fulfillment of God's purpose for your life. Trust Him and obey Him. Go all the way with the Lord. This trial you're in right now, you'll talk about it down the road in days or years to come. God was faithful. You say, how do you know that, Pastor? Because I promise you, right now, in this moment, you can think of a trial you were in some time back, and you were worried, fretful, but somehow God helped you through it. Isn't that right? And it's behind you. This present trial will be behind you one day. Keep your eyes on God and keep going is the point. Keep trusting God. It's not going to be easy oftentimes. In fact, sometimes the very indication that you're in the center of God's will for your life is how difficult your circumstance is. To know that you're right over the target and you're doing what God is giving you to do. You have an adversary that is going to resist in every way because he wants to rob God of his glory in your life. You have to understand that. And may the Lord give us understanding. The Bible says in verse 7, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. It speaks of poverty and rejection. No room. It wasn't easy. But it was God's will. And the Father was with them guided them every step of the way, protected them, and provided, well, it wasn't a fancy room. At least it was a stable, like a cave. I've been there in Bethlehem, the church of the nativity, the very spot where tradition says this is the place where Christ was born. People would kneel on that spot and they would kiss it as pilgrims walk through there nonstop, just continually. Had the opportunity to stand in the corner with some of our men in the group and actually preach the gospel to people as they were coming through. It was there and we saw that what they believed was, was like a, a little trough carved out of the stone. In this cave-like place where Christ was born. Perhaps the very place he was laid. Now think about it. It wasn't a whole lot. But it was what God the Father provided. Now if you're not careful and if I'm not careful, we'll get our eyes off the Lord. We'll look around and say, what I got is not what I expected or what I hoped, what I even prayed for is not much. May God help that sentiment to be reversed in your heart and mind this Christmas season. But I have got what God has given me, and I'm thankful for it. And I'm going to rejoice in Him. And by the way, no matter what I have and don't have materially, those things come and go. I have the God of heaven who's my Savior, who goes with me every step of the way and providentially guides, directs, and protects me That's what I have, who I have, and that's more than enough. Whatever your misgivings or shortcomings are this Christmas season, there is reason to rejoice. 
Our God is in control and a very present help. Rejoice and rest in the presence of His promise, presence and providence. Think of that. Rest in the presence of His presence. Do you get that? The present of God, the gift of God. Lo, I am with you always. I read this story with intrigue. You know, sometimes life gets so hard. One writer said, life will always be hardest when you're crossing over to a new level. Don't get discouraged. Take heart. Trust God and believe God. I read this story entitled, When Every Choir Member Was Late. I'd never heard of this story. A true story. In fact, it was featured on uh, Unsolved Mysteries, the television series. Because on March 1st, 1950, in Beatrice, Nebraska, the pastor went to church on a Saturday afternoon to prepare for the evening choir practice, to light the stove, get things ready to heat it up. Most choir members would arrive between 7.15 to 7.30. That would be normal. He then went home for a quick supper and was ready to return with his wife and daughter when it was discovered the daughter's dress was soiled and needed a change, which must first be ironed. He would certainly be late for practice. High school sophomore LaDonna had trouble with her geometry problems and had to say to finish them. Normally, she was always early for choir rehearsal. Two sisters were ready to go to practice, but the car wouldn't start. They called up the geometry girl to pick them up, who was late too. Mrs. Schuster, with a small daughter, would arrive later on with an aging mother needing her to stay behind and to help her first. And that made her late. Machinist Harry O. was going to take his two boys to choir practice since his wife was away, but he started talking with someone, lost track of the time, and ended up being late. The pianist Marilyn Paul decided to come one half an hour earlier, but after supper, she fell asleep instead. The choir director and the pianist's mother, Mrs. Paul, was late due to her daughter, she tried to unsuccessfully wake her up. Two high school girls usually go together, but one was listening to a 7 p.m. radio program and broke their habit of promptness to listen to the end. Sonographer Joyce Black, feeling just plain lazy, stayed until the last minute when she was ready to go. It happened. At 7.25, the West Side Baptist Church blew up. Its roof was crushed and the walls fell due to a gas leak. All the choir members were late, which had never happened before. And miraculously, providentially, no one was hurt. Their excuses for not attending the practice seemed to be their own, but they were actually God's hand of guidance, once again, protecting his children. Amazing, is it not? Now, I'm not saying you should be late for choir practice. (laughs) 
But I am saying there is a God in heaven who providentially directs his own. And we believe that fully, right? So when you are hindered or delayed, God wants us to come to a place of rest and trust in him. If it's something that we can address and correct that needs to be, fine, let's do that. But there's a God in heaven who knows oftentimes why we took that turn when we wouldn't normally take it or why we were delayed and why we missed a certain thing. God knows all these things. We can give him glory this day for his promise, for his presence, and for his providence. There is a God in heaven who's at work not only in this world, but in your life, and in mine. And all of God's people said, let's stand with our heads bowed.